Great day, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the Strategic Possibilities Show, where we discuss success and growth to help you launch potential in your personal and professional life. My name is Emmett Ferguson, and I am your host. And today, I am here with Josh Kraftchik. He is the owner of the Millennial Slacker's Guide blog, and he's a good friend of mine for many years, and he's been a financial advisor. He's very passionate about helping millennials make great financial decisions. And uh, Josh, so what are you up to nowadays? What are some of the projects that you're working on besides the Millennial Slacker's Guide? Yeah, great question, Emmett. And Appreciate the intro. Um, I think it's awesome that we've remained friends in school and remained in contact to help each other out. Um, some projects I've been working on is uh, I'm on the board for a mental health nonprofit that's in Jacksonville called Stronger Than Stigma um, to help spread mental health awareness throughout Jacksonville and obviously want to try and build that brand as well. Um, in addition to that, working on helping people do things they find impossible so that I could change your life forever. So I would say that's like my why in regards to helping people. And as of now, that's the main focus as long as well as trying to provide as much value off the Slacker's Guide as I can to help people out. That's awesome. And I do remember you telling me about the, uh, the Stronger Than Stigma project. And I know they've been uh, doing some great things out there in, was it Jacksonville? Yeah, Jacksonville, Florida. Jacksonville, right. Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, I, I didn't realize how involved you were. And just out of curiosity, just for the millennial audience out there or any new college grads coming out of school who might feel like, oh, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do or how I'm going to do it. You know, we've been out of school for quite a few years. How long was it, you know, before you realized that, hey, I want to be a philanthropist. I want to both change lives and help people, but also, you know, I want to be a, in finance and, you know, help people financially um, to make great decisions as well. Yeah, becoming an advisor to help people with their finances is not, nothing I ever thought I'd be doing. I'm not sure if you remember, I actually got a degree in actuarial science. So coming out of school, I thought I was going to go into an actuary role. Um, I passed the test I was supposed to pass, but back in when we graduated, the job market wasn't so great, super competitive. So I ended up in the financial world just by accident. In regards to that, it really stems back to high school. I would to make some extra cash, tutor middle school kids when I was in high school because middle school got out after us and I was able to charge you know, 15 to $20 an hour, which for a high school student, I'd say that's a pretty good wage. And tutoring math is a lot better than mowing lawns in Florida during the summer or trying to bus and wait tables in a restaurant. So it really stems back to that. And I enjoyed tutoring because I wouldn't just teach people how to um, pass a class. The goal of tutoring kids was to teach them how to learn math so that they won't need a tutor in the future. I've taken that process and transferred it over to my advisory practice, trying to put myself in your shoes and explain the details in a manner where you can understand, not just say things where I understand them. Because when you're dealing with someone's money, you have to realize it's their money. They're giving you the right to help them. And it's your job to make sure that they're doing the best they can with the money they've worked so hard to save. 
Awesome. I didn't realize that you've been doing that for so long. And uh, you mentioned at the end there, you know, speaking in a language that, you know, other people are going to understand. And when you're in finance, you know, I, I, I guess that you have a very high level understanding of uh, an overview picture of how it all works. What's an example of something that people or, or millennials, I should say, What's an example of something or a perception that they have about finance that might seem very complicated, but you've helped them to simplify? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. In regards to helping them with their money, uh, a lot of my friends and colleagues, they use certain apps like Robinhood or they want to invest in things that don't have a cost associated with them. So a lot of people are trying to do it themselves. and what I've been trying to convey, and it's really hard for millennials to understand because we love being independent. We want to be able to understand things. We want to be involved and we want to be able to do as much as we can without help. Somewhat of a empowerment sort of movement with millennials. Like, hey, we know what we're doing. We're smart. We're educated. We're probably the smartest generation because millennials range from such a large age group. And I don't know if you remember Emmett, but I can still remember when I got my first computer. So there was five or six years before I even saw a computer in my house versus yeah, there's millennials who don't know, who don't know a world without computers and having access to infor information instantaneously. Um, so the big thing trying to educate millennials in regards to their finances is to make sure they're not getting taken advantage of because we live in a world where I could start a blog post tomorrow and say, I'm a millionaire, I'm successful, I do this, I do that. But the, the problem is um, people forget that there's the difference between bloggers who are looking for clicks, trying to sell books and turn their blog into a revenue stream, which there's nothing wrong with. However, when you get down to the nuts and bolts, there's disclaimers, you know, contact a professional, if you actually need real help. So the problem with that is if you want free advice, at times you need to be aware that that can come at a larger cost because a lot of the times, I would say probably 70 to 90% of the time I'm correcting other people's mistakes, which unfortunately is just the name of the game. I hear that and I, I can totally see what you're, where you're coming from when it comes to like blogging and even, you know, different seminars where you know people do have a conflict of interest when you know they're trying to pitch their product or um they are selling some sort of service and i, and I totally see that being a uh, a very important thing for millennials to look out for because you know the internet has so many you know messages from so many different people and everyone right is really, right yeah and everyone is really you know looking to to push their views and everything with that, what are like some common mistakes? Because you just mentioned that, you know, you're helping people fix their mistakes. And, you know, what are like the top two or three mistakes that you commonly hear about or see? Yeah, the number one, and it's huge right now, is home buying. It's like the American dream. You buy a house, white picket fence, family, you know, a dog, maybe of a golden retriever, a good old family home as it's been depicted from generation to generation. Um, people do that without realizing all the hidden costs associated with owning real estate. If you were the Google, 
the returns of real estate versus the stock market, it's not even a close comparison. The stock markets outperformed real estate by I'm guessing here. I think the stock market's probably up like a thousand percent and real estate's maybe up 300%. A thing to be cognizant about real estate is real estate has made the most millionaires in our country, but also has forced the most bankruptcies. And the reason that millennials need to take into consideration is when you buy a house, you're going to have repairs, you're going to have insurance, you're going to have taxes every single year. And typically when you get a mortgage person who's going to be doing your house, they're not, they're not taking into account those costs. So the best example I can come up with on the spot here, I hadn't thought about this before you asked the question, is let's just say you're paying, I don't know, $2,000 a month rent and you want a house that has a $2,000 a month mortgage. Well, the mortgage is only going to take care of some of the costs. So taking into factors, taxes, insurance, repairs, you're basically just managing an asset that's going to need constant work versus if you are investing in a business or looking to buy investments, you only pay taxes when you buy and sell the investment or you buy and sell the, excuse me, the uh, business. However, with real estate, you're going to be paying taxes every single year. And that's something a lot of people don't take into consideration. Going to follow up and wrap that all together for real estate, if it's your primary residence, you typically need to own it for two out of the last five years, I believe, in order to sell it tax-free up to a certain amount. But that's only if it's your primary residence. Um, now, that explanation just has to do with your primary house. If you're buying houses for rental and looking to build a business around renting and renovating homes, that's a whole different ballgame. But definitely looking to buy a house just for the sake of buying a house, um, I would say is the biggest misconception that, I, that I've seen, at least for the millennial generation. And when you say misconception, do you mean that um, they that millennials happen to misunderstand and mis uh, misrealize the risks, or not realize the risks? Yeah, I mean it's definitely an emotional buy. Like you get into a house, it's something you can feel, you can touch, you can see it. Um, when it comes to purchasing an investment, you can't really touch it. You can see it on maybe a computer screen, but there's that lack of emotion when it comes to an investment rather than purchasing a home, which is something that is a mindset that a lot of people have and changing that mindset and knowing all the facts is important. Like I just described earlier, when you meet with a real estate agent, what's, what's the goal of the real estate agent? How do they get paid? Only if they sell you a house. So if you talk to a real estate agent, of course, they're going to tell you probably like, hey, like, you know, real estate's gone up in this area, blah, blah, blah. Versus if you talk to an advisor, such as myself, we're going to look at all the possible scenarios. Be like, okay, you're thinking about buying a house. This happens. Let's just say you take the difference and you invest it here. What happens here? Let's choose which decision is best for you and run the numbers so that we have lots of different choices versus just having one choice. That's awesome. And I think everybody can benefit from, you know, someone who's able to really give them, you know, that, that answer and that 
um, you know, those, uh, the other perspective, the other side from the real estate agent who, of course, they have that sale in mind, um, but to have someone like you on their side to be able to ask them the tougher questions and look at the other side of the risks and the extra costs that are going to be involved. Um, and I think that's a great thing that you're doing. Um, looking at, you know, we just talked a lot about, you know, the risks of buying a house and it's like after all these these prices and all these extra taxes and the repairs and insurance it sounds like a huge cost and earlier you mentioned the stock market so you know with millennials a lot of us are have like debts and we have all sorts of you know other challenges when it comes to career and everything what are some mm -hmm. some smart decisions you know you did mention that real estate it's something that you really have to consider um, if you're just looking to buy, but what are some you know good decisions that you've seen where they weren't made ma making mistakes or you know some valuable things that people can take action on after this podcast? Yeah, I, I'm I'm am I'm a I'm a big believer in where there is a problem, there's a solution, and when there's a solution, there's opportunity. So, for example, I don't know about you, Emmett, but uh, I came out with some student loan at school, and seeing the number that it was probably around. Seventeen, eighteen thousand dollars, which I know isn't a whole lot, but when you're coming out of school, you know, eighteen thousand dollars is a lot of money. I have friends who are doctors who are coming out with hundreds of thousands. It really comes down to understanding the student debt um, and why did you take it out to begin with. So I know that I had to go to school to get a higher level education so that I can reach my full potential as a person. So I know that I was basically betting on myself. I needed the money to go to school in order to get an actuarial science degree. And I look at it as an investment. I didn't have the money, so I took the money and borrowed it. So in, I would use that as like an investing in yourself mentality, which I'm not sure what your opinion is, but investing in yourself, I feel like is one of the best things you can do, whether it's eating healthy, going to the gym, or you know, taking a class, or reading a book, anything of that nature. Totally agree the with cool you. Part, yeah, the cool part about student loans is what you fail to realize is the more debt that you carry, and as long as you're paying on that debt, even if it's just the minimum payment, it gets you into healthy habits. So for example, um, let's just say your student loan payment's $100 a month. If you're paying that $100 a month, I know that's not going into your pocket, but what that's showing people is you're able to carry debt. If you're able to carry debt in result, that increases your credit score. By increasing your credit, that allows you to borrow money so that you can make those real estate purchases, buy that new car, do all sorts of things to help use tools such as borrowing money to your advantage. Borrowing money isn't a bad thing. It just all comes down to where is that money going? Um, are you borrowing the money just to buy a house so that you can look cool to your friends? Or are you borrowing money to rent out and develop a passive income stream. It's really just figuring that out. And someone who's an advisor, and I've made lots of mistakes, and it's one of the worst feelings in the world is making a mistake when you're just like, man, I, I screwed up. And that's what my job is, not only to help you with investing, but to help you with other things as well along the way so that the less mistakes you make, the more money you get to keep, the more money you get to keep, the more freedom you have, the more freedom you have, the happier you are. That's the way I look at it. Awesome. And, you know, thanks for being open and sharing that 
make it uh, your own personal mistakes. Um, whatever they were, I, I think we all make mistakes. Yeah, I've made, yeah, I've made a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I think I think everybody makes a mistake at some point down the road. So you know, since, talking about your philanthropy that you work with, stronger than stigma, and how you help people, you know, make change, and how you make help people recognize opportunities. What is you know, when you made those mistakes, what were some things that you did that helped you bounce back from those mistakes or those challenges? Yeah, I mean, getting real with you, I don't know if you knew this. I I was always a pretty reserved person. Like, I kept to myself as far as what was going on in my life because I felt that asking for help and being open with my, you know, feelings or emotions was a weakness. But I found that actually opening up to people and letting them know what's going on is actually a sign of strength. So people used to think of me in the wrong way when they might have met me. And it wasn't because I was trying to be rude or standoffish. It was just um, I didn't trust people. And the reason I, don't, I didn't trust people for such a long time is, uh, without going into the major details, essentially, I grew up in a divorced family. I think a lot of us can relate. And that's something that's actually going to be affecting um, money in the future, all these split and mixed marriages, you know, half half siblings, step siblings, etc. But to stay on subject, in that battle between my parents, it was a constant pull and game of tug of war with putting the child in the middle, which no one should ever do. So like when I was eight, I remember I was going on a field trip to St. Augustine. I don't know if you remember, but you know, the field trip, they'd be like, hey, bring like 10 or 20 bucks just as like some spending money mm-hmm. and I would go to my mom and be like hey mom can I get the money for the field trip and she would just be like well I'm paying for the field trips why don't you ask your dad for the money so I'd go to my dad be like hey dad mm-hmm. my mom says you're paying for the field trip can I get money for um, souvenirs and he'd be like well I send your mom money every month to pay for these sort of things why is she not paying for it and then you know as an eight-year-old you believe your parents to go back and go well he said that that's how my childhood was. And it made me feel like one parent looked at me as an asset and the other parent made me look at as a liability. And I never thought I'd be in the advising business, um, but I feel like it was kind of meant to be because one of the worst feelings is when you get taken advantage of and I know how that feels and I want to make sure that I never make anyone feel that way. Well, that was, that was, I did not know that about you. And, you know, very, thanks so much for sharing that. I mean, that's, that sounds so powerful, powerful. It is powerful. And I imagine yeah, it gives me the shake just talking about it. It's like really uncomfortable for me to talk about, but it makes me feel better when I do. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that on this podcast as well. And I think um, it's so interesting that, you know, you're in finance as well, because, I hear a lot about the idea that parents have a huge impact on shaping the, the way, you know, kids feel about money and what their beliefs are about money. And, and it was interesting how you said that, you know, with, in one way you felt like an asset in another way you felt like a, a liability. Um, what are, what are some, what are some other beliefs that you think impact the way that uh, millennials are, are using money or, or other generations, I guess. I guess yeah. it's kind of, kind of abstract, but, um, you know. Yeah, the biggest thing, um, 
that I see in the world of money is you get these retirees that have done a great job of saving. They have all this money. They can pretty much do whatever they want, but they, ha- they can't change their mindset on that they're in a place where they've worked hard and they are allowed to spend this money. They're just basically like hoarding it and counting their pennies. It's like the friend that sends you a Venmo request for $6.12. You're like, are you serious, dude? Like, for real? Um, it just doesn't make you feel very good. And it's like people are in a mindset of, oh, I got to save every single penny. But if you think about how much time and energy that you waste trying to think about pennies when you can think about dollars, you got to look at the opportunity cost of that. Um, I think there are some millennials who never go out and save a bunch of money and they're trying to get as far as they can as fast as possible. And then there's other friends that are taking these cool pics on Instagram, taking these trips to, you know, Europe and all these cool places. And you're like, man, what's that person doing that I'm not doing? Um, and it puts you in a weird place. You're like, am I, am I doing well? Am I not doing well? It just raises a lot of questions. And the internet, it's a facade. I mean, you can, people can make you see whatever you want to see. And that's why you got to be careful and educated and make sure you're talking to people who are licensed. You're talking to people who have an actual business and they're not just working off of the free internet at Starbucks or your local coffee shop. And it's kind of like if you want to build your house on your own, you're going to go to Home Depot and do it all of yourself. But there's a quote that I love and it's like, and it goes something along like this. If you want to go fast, you need to go alone. If you want to go far, you got to go together. So having someone on your team who's helping you, even though you're going to be paying them, everyone deserves to get paid for the work that they're doing. They're there to help you. And the money that you pay them is never going to be the amount that they're going to help you get where you want to be. You never want to feel like you're a, you're a liability in a relationship that someone's just feeding off you. You want to feel like that there's a mutual benefit to both of you. Um, The best example I can give is Tiger Woods. He just came all the way back. I'm not sure if there's any golf fans listening, but I'm pretty sure everyone knows what he just went through. And he just won the Masters. I mean, he has a coach, he has a trainer. And if someone who's one of the best in the world is wanting to have a coach and have someone help them, with their craft. I think that we should all have coaches and have people helping us. Just we got to make sure we're doing it with the right people, not the wrong people. Absolutely. And I I think that's a really great story as well, because, you know, I think the, as an industry, um, you know, the industry that I'm in as well, uh, coaching is definitely something that seems to be growing as well. And I think uh, I really liked your story about how, uh, you know, the, the importance of building that team and having those people that you trust and also touching on the concept of that social media illusion that we're all, that we're all facing, you know, everything from mm-hmm. people taking trips around the world. And earlier you were saying about how some people, you know, they have these conflicts of interest where they're trying to make money, but they're also, you know, giving off this illusion of what they actually do. And right. I think those were some very important points. And the, this isn't just about, you know, money, but also about some shifts that are changing in the world around us that's happening with technology. And Correct. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah, I, I really liked what you said about the, uh, the retirees as well and how they are saving. You know, what, do you, what would you say if it is a good balance between 
and of course the, the the conversation changes for everybody because you know everybody's got different income levels different debt levels or whatever um what do you think is like the good balance for someone who just got out of college you know maybe has a little bit of debt but not too much you know they want to do something great but you know they also don't want to i don't want to say they want to be able to make use of the energy that they have and you know be able to have some good experiences is there like a percentage that you go by or ratios of spending is there anything like that that can help uh, someone just getting out of college who's like ambitious but also you know real appreciates that you know they have so much energy and they're still very useful. right yeah what you need to be careful of and is falling into the trap of taking a cookie cutter approach when it comes to your money because Emmett's money and Josh's money are going to be two different things and we're going to have two different visions on what we want that to do. It's my job as the advisor to get to know Emmett, figure out what's important to you. Um, what's keeping you up at night? You know, is it the student loans? Is it your job? Figuring out where the need is and what do we need to get completed as fast as possible so that you can relax and you can enjoy yourself and you can, you know, go out with your friends but also have a healthy balance of working hard as well and figuring out the importance of saving money and why you're saving money rather than just throwing money into your 401k and you're like, I can't touch this till I'm 59 and a half. I'm 24 years old. That's more than double my age. Am I even going to make it that far? I don't know. And someone who's in the profession can help you with those decisions. So to Bring all that together. Um, one of the best stories I love is: uh, Have you ever heard about the um, the pirates and the treasure chest? I have not, but I'm looking so, forward to hearing it. So you get these pirates. They found this buried treasure. They're going to another exotic island to find it, um, to hide it, not find it. And they bury the treasure where only they know where the location is, and then they leave the island. And they think they're rich. Well, in my eyes, in my opinion, money that you have and don't have access to has no value. So it is important to save for retirement, but there's other ways to save without maximizing your 401k and putting money into things that you can't gain access to. Because what if you have a good opportunity come up and you need money and you have to pull it out of retirement account, such as the 401k? then you're paying taxes, you're paying penalties, and you're just giving more of your hard-earned money to the government. Rather, if you work with someone who can think outside the box, we can set up different strategies so that you're not just throwing your money away just for the sake of gaining access to it. Well, that's a great story. And I, I really like how you tied it up at the end with you know how there's the risks and how you can, you know, how it how there is risk involved with having that money, you know, just saved till, uh, till you're like 59. And I think that's interesting because with the story of the pirate in the same sense, you know, you have to risk yourself to go back to find that treasure with whatever yeah. that is. So I think that that metaphor and that, that story uh, really ties in well. You know, I, I want to say thank you so much for being on this podcast. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about, and you know, this is just the wrap up right now. Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, Millennial Slacker's Guide? You know, why people should go read it and 
you know, these, these other great articles that you're working on, I, I've been on it and I've seen amazing articles, very helpful. Can you just uh, give us a brief? Yeah, so the Millennial Slacker's Guide, uh, the reason why I started it is to help you with adult subjects so that you don't get taken advantage of. And if you go to a lot of blogs, they have a wide array of categories. And the reason why they have a wide array of categories is they're just trying to cast out a wide net to get you to click and drive revenue to their blog site. Um, that's the most, you know, number one reason people do a blog is to try and make some passive income, which nothing wrong with that. But I wanted to create something that truly could show value to people without you feel like you're getting added and spammed and things like that just because it's so annoying. You go to a site, you're immediately hit with a, an ad, you're hit with this, you're hit with that. I wanted some place you can go, you can read. You know that the information that you're consuming is true. And the reason why is since I'm an advisor, even if I post an article that has to do with my walking on the beach and how I love sunsets, I still have to put that through a compliance department, even if it has nothing to do with investing. Um, versus if you're not a licensed advisor or in the profession, you can write about anything and no one's going to monitor it. That's why they have the disclaimers on there, such as consult a financial advisor, consult a tax advisor, all certain things like that. How I chose money, business, health, and relationships is because I believe in those four areas. If you want to be successful, you need to make sure that you're maximizing your opportunities. If you're not healthy, you don't have the energy to work. If you're not able to work, you don't have money. If you don't have money, you can't do the things you like to do. If you don't have healthy relationships with people and you need help, you're going to find yourself in a, a dark place. And that's really the motivation with everything. Um, as far as the Slacker's Guide, it's to show value. I'm not looking to make a bunch of money off of it. You know, I do hope that one day I'd be lying to you if I don't want to do speaking engagements and you know, meet with people and drive revenue. But I want to make sure I'm showing value first. Um, I think that's where a lot of people go wrong. They want to get a reward without any value. But I believe if I show enough value and I help enough people in the long run, I'll be rewarded. You just got to be patient. That is a great philosophy, and uh, thanks for sharing that. And I really liked how you were talking about the Millennial Slacker's Guide and how it talks about all the areas of life, not just finance or not just you know health, but also about the relationships and everything that goes together. I mean, it's all so important. So mm -hmm. thanks again for hopping on here. And you know, if you have any other projects that you do want to just add in one more time, feel free to let us know. And um, that it's uh, all all of you. Yeah, uh, feel free to reach out to www.themillennialslackersguy.com. I'm on Instagram, The Millennial Slacker. If you want to reach out to me and see if there's anything I can do to help you, uh, Emmett, appreciate you allowing me to do this podcast. I look forward to doing many more together and helping each other out along the way in this journey of life. Fantastic. And that's a wrap, everybody. Thanks so much for stopping in and taking your time to listen to this podcast. Stay tuned for many more and wish you great success in your lives. Have a wonderful day.